G'day race fans, welcome to the Gates Rev Limited Supercars Review. There were some pretty ordinary conditions out there, very easy to crash today. You don't need jam throttles on wet tracks. We won! Yes! He didn't do a good job, I'm like, mate, you've won by 20 seconds, what's the problem? <laughs> Well, hello everybody to the Gates Revolutive Supercars Review. I'm joined by Clarky. Clarky, how are you? We're at Winton, this is awesome. I know, how good is it to see our faces, shiny faces across the table, looking at each other, smiling, going. Uh, awesome. Love Winton, I love coming up here, so, uh, you know, and even better to have you here with us today, Nev. Mate, the weather was perfect for racing. What do you, how do you think the racing went today? I thought the racing was pretty good. I mean, it's a tough track to pass on, and we know that. But, you know, there was plenty of competition. There was plenty of intrigue, I thought, all the way from the start to the end. And as you say, the weather was stunning, you know. Blue skies, um, which meant we had bloody cold nights, obviously. But uh, the days were great. And uh, the one in the middle of the day, I expected a little bit more tyre wear because of the warmth. But we didn't really get that. But uh, as I say, I think I enjoyed the weekend. I thought it was good. Okay, well, it's uh, race recap time. So I'm going to hit this button. Race Recap Winton, Australia's little action-packed track that Dick Johnson used to hate but the fans love. And on a sunny weekend, the championship saw a resurgent Cam Waters take his first round win of the season. Only we don't talk about round wins anymore. Race one, and there was an overriding sense of, oh no, not again, as Shane Van Gisbergen hunted Cam Waters for the pretty much the entire 36 laps of the race. Waters got the better of the start and led into turn one, and was never really headed in the battle for the race win. But it did take until the second last corner of the race when Van Gisbergen dived at the smallest of gaps, slamming the Red Bull car into the Monster Energy Mustang. The job was done for Waters by 0. 0.4000 seconds. In turn one after crossing the finish line, the Gizzer's steering broke, proving his luck again, and that's what it takes to win titles. Dave Reynolds completed the podium and must have been ruling a poor qualifying run that most likely cost him any chance at challenging for the win. Will Brown was a fast starter off the second row, wisely thinking the better of a desperate dive between Waters and Van Gisbergen at the start, but ending his chances with a disastrous pit stop that scored a pit lane penalty, but could have scored more. First, the wheel fell off his car when he was dropped off the jacks and gassed it up. Then, his wheels were spinning when he was lifted into the air for the second time. Then, he nearly stalled. It was a disaster that ended a promising run. Chas Mostert was next on the track with Lee Holdsworth in the other Penrite Mustang next. Filling out the top 10 was Scott Pye, Brody Kostecki, Anton Di Pasquale, Andre Heimgartner and a battered and bruised Brock Feeney. Then, after a typically chilly May night, did anyone say zero degrees? In the middle of Victoria and on the edge of the snowfields, we came back for two more races and two pole positions in the morning to Cam Waters. Waters won the start again and looked set to repeat the late Saturday affair with the same strategy, as in wait till the gear stops and then stop the next lap. The Red Bull car spent 0.4 seconds less in pit lane and when he fired down the inside of turn three with Waters on cold rubber, after exiting the pits, he slipped into the lead and was not headed. Dave Reynolds ran to the podium again after a late pit stop with teammate Lee Holdsworth making the most of his later stop and passing Mostert and Brown for fourth place finish. There is no doubt now that the Grove Racing cars are here to play. Mostert came home fifth while counting the days to his return to the Blue Oval and Will Brown made the most of his early stop for sixth and headed home Heimgartner and Courtney who snagged the five points for the fastest lap and Frosty and Di Pasquale rounding out the ten. Scott Pye became the first retirement for the weekend in the middle of the race, with Gary Jacobson joining him as a spectator a few laps later. 
All the other cars ran full distance just as they had done the day before. Then in the late afternoon race with the fading sun, Cam Waters did it again, much to the light of his garage, the shouting and cheering leaving me with a headache. The win was set up with a blinding start and was ably supported by Andre Heimgartner nailing a slowish Van Gisbergen who was under pressure from Dave Reynolds. It took Van Gisbergen 14 laps to get past Heimgartner and then he set off after Waters, pulling chunks out of what had blown out to more than three second lead. This time Waters pitted first, peeling off the track with a two second lead for a quick stop and 33.44 seconds in pit lane. The Giz had speed and stayed on the track, but Waters was just slowly working his tyres in and then stabilised the gap. Van Gisbergen stopped five laps later and did three tyres and had a clumsy change for the right rear. He was in pit lane for 5.1 seconds more than Waters, which left him with a big gap to hunt down. But first he had to pass Heimgartner again. But there was not much resistance this time, and by the end of the first lap out of the pits, he was second and working on that 5.2 second gap, which he had 13 laps to do. He did eat that gap up, but he didn't get close enough on the last lap to launch another attack, and that was it as they say. Waters won the race and the round with 292 points over Van Gisbergen on 289, but five bonus points for the fastest lap in the final race, almost taking Van Gisbergen to the lead. For the record, Dave Reynolds was third overall with two podiums and a lonely fourth in the final. So what are the rest? James Courtney tangled with his teammate Jack Kostekin, scored a 15 second time penalty for that and then was later involved in an incident with Tim Slade that saw them both in the tyre wall and Courtney in the pits with a fair bit of front damage. Brody Kostecki was down on himself for his pit lane speeding penalty that pushed him from 5th to 13th in the results too. Strangely out of touch were the two shell cars. Will Davison so disappointed he didn't want to talk after the race, but he did say enough to let us know that it was a very uncharacteristic weekend for his team. Right from the very first lap of the weekend, it was a struggle, and he gave up third in the title to Waters. Both Will and Anton Di Pasquale coughed up a lot of points to their rivals, Anton now trailing Van Gisbergen by 281 points. One of the other contenders, Chas Mostert started okay and dropped off from there, sliding from fourth on the Saturday race to 11th by the end of Sunday. The Erebus cars were up and down like yo-yos, Will Brown bragging honours by two points over his teammate Brody Kostecki. The five bonus points in the three races went to Dave Reynolds, James Courtney and Van Gisbergen, critically in that final race. It was those five points that left him settling for second because it meant he only dropped three points to the race winner. He did say later he was conflicted in his head when he got the order to leave something on the table. The old chain, he said, would have just drilled Cam in the B-pillar and then argued about it later. So that's it for Winton, one of our favourite racetrack meetings for the year and one we hope Supercars does not axe. Hold tight for the deep dive. Okay. This kind of says it all. Uh, talking about deep dive, we'll be back after this quick break. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Grove Racing. Every time we hit the track, we rely on Gates premium parts to help us perform under extreme conditions. Serpentine, cooling and timing systems are critical for your engine's performance. Inspecting and replacing all system components at the same time will ensure your vehicle is ready to tackle any challenge. Protect your ride with Gates. Available from Repco, Napa Auto Parts, super cheap and reputable auto stores. Well, welcome back to the Gates Rev Limited Supercar Review. It's deep dive time. Clarky, I have got a list of notes of things to talk about. I saw some things happening out there. First of all, Cam versus the Giz. This weekend was all about those two trading blows. Um, was, was Cam going to be able, be able to hold off the Giz? 
tell me how it all went there. Well, the, the great thing is we expected this battle from the start of the season. Remember, we, we sat down probably at the end of last year and said, what is the championship for next year? And we said, it's Waters versus Van Gisbergen. Sadly, we haven't had that up until now. So great to see the Tickford car and Waters on the song and chasing Van Gisbergen or... Even better, Van Gisbergen chasing waters. And that's the way we want it because the Giz is, is, he gave him his head of steam and out he goes. Like he pulled five seconds on waters in the middle race when he got out and got some fresh air. So much better to see him chasing Cam. And uh, But yeah, really good. I thought it was a great battle. Um, I love the way the two of them race. You know, there's a there's a little bit of respect between the two of them. You don't see Van Gisbergen doing, you know, stuffing his car down and belting him out of the way necessarily, although we kind of almost did, didn't we? But, uh, you know, it was good. I thought it was a great little battle and uh, and it's what we've been waiting for all season, I think. I kind of still feel that, that people were letting Giz through. I mean... Cam, I know Cam tried to hold him off in uh, the first race today or second race of the weekend, yep. um, but he didn't do it good enough. And the, the Giz still took the inside and got past him. But if he hadn't been able to do that, I reckon Cam could have held him off. Oh, I think if Cam had kept him out then, he would have clean sweep the weekend, absolutely. Um, but the interesting thing is, and, and I spoke to Cam about this after the race, and he said it was one of those ones where you've come out of the pits, he's got cold rear tyres. Van Gisbergen, because he stopped the one lap early, he's got his tyres completely up to temperature. You saw going through the turn one and two complex, you saw the tail just step out a little bit on Cam as he tried to put the power down, so he knew he was struggling. Going into turn three, he's come across... And he thought, yeah, I'm going to cover him. And then he's seen Van Gisbergen right out on the left-hand side. And he thought, he's going to crisscross me. And so he's, he's got into that second-guessing mode. And, that, and that's danger in motor racing, as you know. The minute you start thinking, oh, they're going to do this and they're going to do that, and they're going to, uh, uh, you leave yourself in no man's land. And Van Gisbergen took the Commodore down a gap between the, the Mustang and the, and the grass, which was only just wide enough for one Commodore. But that's all Van Gisbergen needs, isn't it? Like, he's just... <laughs> He's just like a dog with a bone, isn't he? You just you give him a small gap and he sniffs it. And I go, I'm going to take this thing. Took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> give him a sniff and he's away. Uh, yeah. But he took three tyres on in the last pit stop. What the hell? Yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting one. And again, after the race, it, like, clarity's good afterwards, isn't it? It's like hindsight. You're like, oh, geez, I'd be a millionaire if I had hindsight beforehand. But Van Gisbergen said they took three tyres because what they wanted was the fastest lap. They wanted that five points, you know. So they took the gamble of sitting in pit lane a lot longer just to get the fastest lap. And what it meant was that uh, there was only three points difference between winning the race and coming second with the fastest lap. Um, and then they told him afterwards to go, well, just, uh, you know, go easy, Shane. You know, you don't need to take too many risks. And, of course, Van Gisbergen is sitting there going, I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going in that old uh, typical way that Van Gisbergen does. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting strategy. But what it shows perhaps is the maturing of Shane Van Gisbergen as a championship driver as opposed to just a race driver so he and his team are now starting to think long term um, and that's bloody scary isn't it well what's scary is he did time management at the start of the races and still managed to keep whoever was behind him behind him the rest of them are going flat out doing whatever they need to do and they still can't get past him and he's conserving his tyres for later on in the race oh, what yeah it's the front end on that triple eight car is just unbelievable like you've, you've seen him at other places like Winton and uh, sorry not Winton Simmons Plains and Barbagallo where he just had so much front turn he could do whatever he liked with the opposition so what you're getting is the front of that car is working so well that when they put the fresh tyres on the back of, back of the Commodore after the pit stops he just had an amazing car in the second half of those races. And uh, it is lucky that Cam was in front. Otherwise, he just he would have got you know, swamped, which he did in the second race, clearly. Um, but they could have all been five-second wins to Van Gisbergen if Cam hadn't managed to hold him off. Right. 
Next thing, where the heck did Shell go? I mean, they were kind of there, but they weren't there at all. I, don't, I hardly saw them all weekend. Yeah, maybe they got sucked up in the uh, 50 cent price rise thanks to the Ukraine war. But uh, <laughs> they, they, they had a tough weekend. I mean, uh, it, it, just, it was one of those ones where nothing seemed to work for them. So kind of like Dick Johnson, as we, we were talking about before, he used to talk about here as being like racing around a clothesline um, because back in the old Sierra days, he really struggled with the place. Rightio then, uh, super soft tyres and the strategy. Uh, I felt like the strategy was make your tyres last at this track and be there at the end. Um, I didn't see anything else. Other, I didn't. There was some passing, but I didn't see a lot of passing. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, and um, the the super softs, like every other Dunlop tyre at the moment, just seem to last too well and. We went to the Supersoft in the hope they were going to degrade and we were going to see a huge drop-off. But all we saw was like a half-second difference in lap time between the first lap and by the time you changed your tyres. So we weren't seeing enough degradation. We weren't seeing the drop-off that was going to do it. So you saw Dave Reynolds ran 10 laps longer than the others. So we saw a couple of little things like that. But essentially it was an even split. And um, without huge degradation, it's always going to be a tough ask. And... Uh, you know, I don't know what we do. Do we go out there and allow them to blister again like they did in Melbourne at the Grand Prix? Because that gave us yes, something please. special, didn't it? You know? <laughs> but uh, what we what we want is tyre wear. And, um, and unfortunately, the Dunlop guys just keep building the things and not getting the tyre wear. So, you know, maybe give Kev a bit more um, bit more scope to go and build something that's soft and, uh, and goes off a little bit. So you're saying build them to where they blister if you give them too much punishment. So that means you've got to go even softer. Or why don't you make them so hard that they need longer braking distances and stuff? Well, yeah, but you've got the two concepts there. So we've always been talking about go soft and allow degradation. But what the teams are saying, if you do that, then all they do is they tiptoe around for the first few laps on the tyres and you don't get any racing anyway. Um, so, you know, maybe the hard tyre is the way to go and that we just say, you know, they're going to be rock hard. You're going to shit and have shit grip. You know, and, and see how you go with that, boys. And complaining drivers. <laughs> yeah, well, when drivers are complaining, that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, they're the most precious little creatures of all time. They just want everything to be perfect. Um, but when it's not perfect, they whinge and complain and scream. But uh, I think you've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a good point there now. I think maybe it is we need to have a really good think about this. Okay, uh, the Tickford uh, resurgence. I mean, Cam's wins uh, yesterday and today have definitely put them back on the map because we were asking questions about how good is this team this year. Oh, it's been a tough start for them, hasn't it? I mean, we, we expected them to come out of the blocks as championship contenders. You know, Eastern Creek last year, or sorry, Sydney Motorsport Park, um, in the month of Sydney was tough ask for them. They started out really poorly, but by the end of it, they actually had a pretty good car. And so we expected them to come out this season, even at their tough tracks being Sydney Motorsport Park again and Simmons Plains. And we, we thought, you know... But they struggled there and they struggled again. But um, good to see them back on pace and hopefully it's something. But my one concern is that while Waters was good, the others weren't so good. They were struggling big time. And, uh, you know, we'll get to that in a few minutes about, you know, the, the differences between the team, drivers inside a team. But the gaps were huge. Um, Cam Waters was great. Cam Waters suited that car today and yesterday. But the others had a tough time. So is it a real resurgence or is it a, a bit of a, a smokescreen for us? Well... I just like the fact that uh, Cam held off uh, the gears even at the end of uh, Saturday's race and the crowd would cheer and like, this was awesome. Finally, the gears didn't have it his own way. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one that had the busted wheel. 
I know it was great, but the funny thing was because I, you know, I was standing near the back of the Tickford pits in that first race on Saturday, and um, Lisa Reed, who you know, with some um, Rod Nash's, oh, sorry, Lisa Nash, <laughs> Lisa Nash, couldn't stand in the pits to watch it because she said, "Here comes Van Gisbergen, and we're going to lose this thing again." And so she had to walk away. And then the crowd in the Tickford pits are screaming and cheering. I got like I got a headache on Saturday, I got a headache on Sunday from the noise coming out of those guys. Um, so there was a sense of forbearing. It was a sense of like this is going to happen. Van Gisbergen's going to eat us up again because he's got such great tyre wear. But Cam did a brilliant job in the later stages of those races. He was not going to give up that spot easily once he had the position. And, uh, yeah, and as you say, Van Gisbergen hit him, broke a wheel, or they broke a wheel after the finish line. So what would have happened if he'd broken the wheel on, on turn 11 and ended up just sitting there beside the track watching? I mean, that's kind of what we need. It just doesn't seem to go wrong for him, though, does it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we managed to grab Cam after the podium, and this is what he had to say. Uh, Cam... Good weekend. I mean, you're aware of what that means to the team. I mean, the excitement in the garage was um, was amazing. Uh, yeah, it means so much to the team, um, our sponsors, our fans, everyone. So, yeah, it's good after a, a few challenging weekends and, and to reward the guys with their, their hard work with a couple of trophies, is, um, which is awesome. Yeah. And what about to you? I mean, it's been a, kind of a toughish start of the year, hasn't it? I mean, you're starting with the worst tracks. And, uh... Yeah, that shouldn't be, um, you know, worst tracks for us. We need to be strong every weekend. And it's about identifying why and, um, you know, fixing that. And that's what we're trying to do at the moment. And I feel like we may be turning a bit of a corner, which is which is good. We just need to get to Darwin now, which um, is another track we need to kind of tick, tick off. And if we go strong there, then I think we'll have a good car for the rest of the year. And um, consistency on tyres. I mean, you, you see the, the Red Bull car still looks after its tyres a bit better than yours, would you think? I mean, um, Yes, but I think we're a lot closer to them. And, um, yeah, I feel like... I'm racing guys, or people I would usually race. I'm way in front of them kind of this weekend for tyre life, which is a good positive. We just need to go a little bit further. The good thing is we're, we're not out of ideas and we're, we're making things better, so we've just got to keep chipping away. Do you think championships, and do you think like this is the kickstart to a championship thing? Or? Potentially, but at the moment we needed a fast car every, every track we go to. Um, without that, you're... You're not really in the championship hunt, so... And how satisfied were you when you looked in your mirror at the start of that race and saw Andre behind you instead of Shane? Uh, yeah, I did that on purpose, so I was um, pretty happy that he got in front of Shane. OK, well, Tickford don't seem to struggle with uh, a one-lap speed. They're always really fast. It's managing, It's keeping the tyres on the car. I mean, where do you think they are with that? Yeah, that's what I thought was the most impressive part this weekend, that we didn't see the degradation that they've been seeing. I mean... You know, Simmons Plains in particular, you know, we know last year they got pole positions but, you know, couldn't have tyres after six laps. So the tyres are lasting a little bit, which is good. Um, where are they at with that? Yeah, I think they're getting there. I think that, you know, the radical change they had in car design and philosophy last year is getting them somewhere. The pity is that they're going to get there by the end of this year and then we've got brand new cars next year, so it won't really matter, will it? Uh, qualifying formats... I mean, we seem to liken these structures. Uh, Saturdays, uh, the three-tiered Formula One style qualifying, and then Sunday is the two top ten. Oh, sorry, two ten-minute quick shoot. I was going to say shootouts, but they're just all ins. It's good, isn't it? I mean, I, I love that that first one where you know they're longer. For, it's a longer format, and yeah, we dropped well, today. It was seven off because it was um, we had the two wildcard entries today, so seven off and then ten off and then down to the final ten. Um, so there's a bit of tension and a bit of pressure all around, which I really like. Um, and I, 
that session, I think, is really intriguing to watch it map itself out. You know, who's going to take a risk and who's not going to take a risk? So, you know, Will Davis and Brody Kostecki had what they thought were really good times in Q2, and then they parked their cars and just sat there for the last five minutes of Q2, and they dropped out of the top 10. You know, so people were taking gambles, and, and this is what we love about the sport. It's when people choose different options and we see something different. Um, and in this case, it didn't work for those two because everybody else just went faster and piled on top of them. Well, it worked for Waters. It worked for Waters, absolutely, you know. But Waters had speed and he had a lot of confidence this weekend. I mean, you know, that qualifying, the third qualifying run, when he just sat there for the first five minutes of the session doing nothing, you know, you knew he, he was confident in what he could do there. And he went out and obviously took pole position because he got both pole positions on Sunday. But those 10-minute sessions, how much fun are they? You know? What do you like most about them? Well, there's no room for error, is there? Yeah. You know, if you muck it up, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, the first first of the two qualifying sessions, you'll be lucky if you get two runs. Um, the second session, you'll get one run probably only because you don't want to wear out your tyres trying for these runs because then it's going to hurt you in the race. So you've got to nail it. You know, you've got to get it right. And if you don't get it right, you're going to suffer. Uh, next up. Penrite Racing or Grove Racing or if for the old school, Cali Racing. But uh, Cali Racing without the Callies. Man, they showed that they were the real deal uh, this weekend, I believe. How impressive were they, Ned? I mean, we had, um, I mean, they got more points than anyone else over the course of the weekend, which um, which is a great result. But, you know, Reynolds was there and he was pushing. Uh, Lee Holdsworth was there and he was pushing. Um, really impressed, but... What's really impressive is that it hasn't just come from nowhere. Each weekend that we've raced this year, they've got better, and they're getting better, and they're getting better. You know, the systems are there, the processes are there, they've recruited the right staff, they're obviously investing in the equipment needed. Um, I reckon these guys are there. They're the real deal, um, and I think we're going to see some pretty impressive outcomes for the rest of the year from them. So Reynolds, he had two-thirds and a fourth, or a third, fourth, and a third? Two-thirds and a fourth. Two-thirds and a fourth. Well, I, I, I bailed him up after the last race and, and asked him about it. Yeah, you guys had a cracker weekend. We had a really good weekend, but like, I'm a racer at heart, and I want to win races, so you know, third, third, fourth. It's not a win for us. So there's a little frustrating? Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, no, we throw everything we got at every race and everyone tries so hard. I work my heart out in the car and, you know, there's a couple of cars and a couple of teams that are a little bit better, a little bit stronger. So, you know, it's just frustrating. But at at the end of the day, we look at, we sit down and we look at the whole picture and we were the highest scoring team to like collectively as a unit. Just got to ask you that. Yeah, so like that's a huge positive for us. You know, Lee's pushing it, I'm pushing it, all the boys are working well. We just we just need another, like, 1% here and so there. So any idea what you think it might be? No, oh, obviously yeah, not going to yeah, tell yeah, me exactly, know, right? We know, you know, there's heaps of stuff with these cars you can yeah. do. So it's everything. It's managing temperature, managing pressure, making grip, you know, making the car philosophy better, balancing it up on the track, and there's, there's so much to it, it's ridiculous. So it's all positive at the moment. All there's, positive, there's mate. options and... Yeah, mate. How long have you? How long is since you felt like this? Oh, a long time. Yeah, it's been a couple of years. Yeah, but you know, like um, you know, the Groves bought in um, once, and when they took it full ownership, I knew we're on something special. Yeah. Like they go, they don't, they don't fuck around. These guys. So. Well, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, dude. man. Appreciate it. It looks like it's all happy days at Penrite Racing. Yeah, and the great thing is when it's happy days and when Dave Reynolds is happy and in a good mood, he's just the most entertaining bloke in pit lane. So um, the sport needs Dave Reynolds being successful. So, And I think that team at the moment, I reckon they're just you know, bees dick away from winning a race and uh, you wait and you'll see how happy he is then.
I wanted to talk about Walkinshaw, but not about the racing. It's uh, giving the finger. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got sport, new meaning, hasn't it? <laughs> sport, we did say motorsport is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a when they say giving. We didn't giving expect them, it to be dangerous like this, though. No, giving the finger. We didn't expect them to actually give us the finger, but they did. Um, twice over the weekend, they're rotating wheels while still on the car and have chopped fingers off when they've got sandwiched between the wheel spokes and the brake calipers. Well, yeah, we talked to, we uh, had a chat to Kev from yeah. Dunlop about this, and he explained that if you grab the spokes of the wheel and then the, and then the wheel moves around, you, the calipers are so close to the spokes that they will cut your fingers off. And yeah. that's what's actually happened. Now, there's some things in place. You don't just spin a reel around and cut your finger off. Someone <laughs> might have pushed the car at the wrong time while you hold the wheels. And it was they've been telling people to um, hold the tyres, not by the spokes, but by the tyres. But it's pretty hard not to. Yeah, and in this case, what they're doing is that when the cars sit stationary after they've had a run, the brake discs are hot and the, calip- the brake pads are hot. And what you do if they sit for too long, they start to warp. So the aim is you've got to keep turning them a little bit. But... Uh, you know, please don't do it with your fingers inside the spokes. And it's on top of Bathurst 12 here where a guy, something, taking the air hose off and it's gone off and he, he's kind of lost an eye in pit lane. Yeah, yeah the, he's un, 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 unhooked an air hose and it's blown his eye out of its socket. Oh, man, everybody's everybody's just uh, cringing right now. I know. <laughs> you can just imagine him. Go, no, no, I won't say the joke I was okay. going to say. Enough. But imagine Enough. trying to find your lost eye. I mean, <laughs> Stop it. I'm it's like those glasses ads where the bloke's fumbling for his glasses. But, uh, but you know, we, we do know motorsport's this dangerous thing, and we, we do have to be careful and we you know we can make a bit of a joke out of a couple of these things especially when kev was telling us about filleting fingers oh, oh. <laughs> you know since you're sitting there and all the meat's taken off your fingers and all you can see are the bones hanging out the end but uh, you know we can have a laugh of it because it's not, not our fingers let's be serious but uh, it is dangerous um and, and you know the sport does have these steps in place to try and make it a bit safer but um things are going to happen um and it's really unfortunate i suppose for walkinshaw that it happened twice in one well, weekend. they're not the only ones it's actually happened to it's happened in the past oh, it's just it's been highlighted this weekend yeah and that's because of the um the incident of the bathurst 12 hour with the eye it, it's um it's put the sport back in the spotlight of work safe so um you know, we had WorkSafe inspectors pouring all over the place this weekend, uh, doing funny things, talking about whether a rubbish bin was too close to a fuel tank and uh, this and that and whatever. But, you know, it, we obviously, as a sport, we need to take safety seriously. So uh, I think there'll be a bit of thinking going on. Next up, performance gaps in teams. Now, with Tickford, for example, Cam was up the front, but the, the rest of the drivers, there was three others, that whole team set up they weren't as far up the field yeah no it's interesting when you got a guy on pole then you got your other two blokes sitting 14th and 15th which is randall and courtney and then you got jake kostecki in 27th so you've bookended it but you've also got the pages right smack bang in the middle uh, and it's an interesting constant thing you know how can one guy be so fast and everybody else struggling yeah, well, that's what i'm asking you why well, i don't know like, <laughs> What's the, what's the use of you? I'm not much use at all, but then if I can answer that, I'd probably be working for Tickford, wouldn't I? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, And they'd be paying me the big bucks, Nev, instead of what I get for doing you, podcasts. If you could figure it out, you would be working for it. Oh, I know, I'd be, I'd be worth a fortune, wouldn't I, if I could work that one out? Um, it's just interesting, and I think it's one of those things that sometimes one car suits a person and it doesn't suit another person. We saw Courtney was a bit inconsistent with his speed this weekend, but... Um, the interesting thing to me was when they when they hit the track on first thing Saturday, because it was a two-day race meeting, 
Um, they said the cars had so much grip they were struggling with them. You know, that they were turning the cars and it had so much grip they were bouncing instead of sliding. Um, so you really just had to get on top of that, I think. And what you saw was the inconsistencies of it. You know, that Cam's obviously mastered the bouncing technique. It could be like Lewis Hamilton and, and George Russell in yeah. Formula One with, with their porpoising, isn't it? Um, but, you know, he's got on top of it quickly and the others have struggled a little bit. But, um, you know, I think sometimes the gaps that we're seeing in the teams, and we'll talk about it in a second, like obviously you know, the Walkinshaw and Andretti United, the gap between Mostert and Percat's quite large. Oh, next times. on my list. Um, and, and we know, we're like, we've spoken about Percat. We really rate him. But he's so far off the Mostert pace that it makes you ask, is that car difficult to drive? Is it a, you know, is Mostert just mastered it and the other bloke's trying to come to grips with it? And we see the same thing also at Brad Jones Racing. Like Andre Heimgartner is right up there. Like he's got a podium today and a podium last round. Um, yet the other guys are drifting at the back of the field or the middle of the field. So big gaps are coming into play. And, you know, it really does ask questions. It asks questions about the other drivers, but it also asks questions about the consistency of cars inside a team. Next up, Gen 3 Watch. What do we call it? Gen 3 Gate. Gen 3, no watch. Gen 3 Watch. <laughs> I'm going to have to make a sound effect for this. But Triple Eight have asked the other GM teams uh, for help. Like, you know, do you want to be involved in um, in sorting this chassis out? You know, and no one stepped up. No, no one said. No one said. Yeah, I'll do that. They all went. No, you you do it. What is that all about? I know it's interesting, isn't it? I was quite surprised. It was just came out of the chat with um, Mark Dutton, Dutto. At, uh, we were kind of comparing hairdos because mine's better than his. Um, but then he um, he started talking about the Gen Three thing, and he said, "Well, you know, we don't have enough staff to do this thing properly, and and we've asked the other teams for help, and they're all saying no." Uh, and it's an interesting concept because we always hear people bagging. Um, the triple eight guys for all the power and the centralization of everything and this you know it's part of the reason why we believe walkinshaw is leaving gm because you know they were going to have to buy all of their stuff off triple eight instead of building their own and you know they see themselves as a manufacturing team but then you hear data saying well we've asked them all to get in and help us but they won't help us um so it's all falling to them and uh bit of worrying because if this is really a fact does that mean that the Ford guys are going to come out of the blocks next year because they've got that advantage of everybody's that's what all that's what all the listeners are thinking right now well they should be thinking that (laughs) because that's the first thing I thought is that you know if Dutto's saying we don't have enough staff to do this thing properly we've asked for help we're not getting it and the Ford guys are getting the help not just from the Ford teams being you know Tickford and um and uh DJR but also from Ford in America who are quite heavily invested in this program, which is why they've then brought Walkinshaw on board. Um, so, yeah, danger signs, I think, for the Gen 3 program for the Camaros, which, of course, has only got two years to run anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll have more about but that But it's okay. Dutto said, Dutto said it doesn't matter because once they've got the chassis, okay, they can drop anybody yeah, on yeah, top of the thing. Yeah, of course. But we want someone with the chassis to come with money as well. So. Well, yeah, money's always good, Nip. Right. Uh, up next, Winton Future. It's not all, well, it's not in concrete. What's going on? It's a strange one, isn't it? Because um, we saw the crowd today, another good crowd out here at, uh, what, about 15,000, 20,000 maybe, which is great for this part of the world. I mean, uh, and it's really important event for this part of Victoria. I mean, you would know what it's like now. If you come from Wangaratta as a, as, a, as a young boy, now that you're an old man, it's a very different story. You're you know, Melbourne-based and giving up the country, country life for uh, the fast-paced city living. But... Um, you know, it, it, people come out. They love this race meeting. And, and it does always put on a good show and it puts on a good event. The Winton people are always investing in the in the facilities and for the setup here. I mean, like, you know, we were treated like gods this weekend in the media. We got access to the full-blown corporate deal. 
they host their own round though. They don't let V8 supercars host it. And this seems to be causing a little bit of a problem. I mean, they pay a fee to host the round, which is believed to be about $350,000. Is that all? That's all. Well, yeah, that's about all. That's all I'm hearing. Um, I mean, I heard rumours about the million bucks, but I'm quite told quite confidently it's about 350. Um, but still, Winton doesn't really make much money out of the weekend after paying that fee. But they still want to halt this thing because they know that it's good for this area um, and, and it's good for the track as well. You know, it's good for their reputation. It's good for everything. Um, I really hope that Supercars doesn't can this race meeting as they've been trying to do for a very long time. You know, we've lost it a couple of times, I think, and it's come back. Um, we've been here since 1985, effectively, and I think we've lost a few rounds here and there. I reckon I've been to every one of them too, by the way, Nev. But, you know, they want to get rid of it, and I don't know why. I think this is a great race meeting, and if Supercars kills this race meeting, you need to start asking questions about, you know, do they care about the fans, or do they just want champagne sippers? <laughs> champagne sippers. I just think this track's got a personality all its own, yep. and um, it needs to be part of it. If it's down to money, the track's fine. It's just a money thing. Yeah, but you're right. It is such a it's just a different track to everywhere else we go. That that's what makes it so special and so unique, and why it's so important to the calendar. Okay, a quick round summary. Two wins to Cam and a second. Uh, one wheel and two seconds to the Gears. Dave Reynolds had uh, two podiums and Andre Heimgardner had the other. Championship points. The Gears is on 1,376 points, followed by Anton Di Pasquale on 1,095 points, which is 281 points behind the Gears. Uh, Waters is in third and 1,043 points. Only 52 points behind Closing uh, in. Um, Di Pasquale, uh, 333 points behind the Giz. Um, Will Davison's in fifth, 1,018, uh, 25 points behind uh, Cam. Davy Reynolds is on 966 points, 52 points behind Will Davison and 966 points, oh, sorry, and 410 points behind the Giz. That's the top five. In sixth is Mostert, seventh is Feeney, Brody Kostecki at eighth, Slade in ninth, ran out of the top ten is Courtney. The funny thing there, Nev, is that that crash between Courtney and Slade swapped their positions in the championship. Oh my God, they're only three points apart in the championship. This is fantastic. I've got to keep an eye on these two. Yeah, so Slade finished quite a few positions up on Courtney after the crash, so uh, (laughs) yeah. It's a double pain for James out of that one. Okay, in the team's championship, Triple Eight Red Bull Ampole Racing is on 2,263 points. Next up is DJ Shell V Power Racing on 2,113 points, 150 points behind. It's an achievable gap, isn't it? Well, yeah, Tickford... Stretched uh, a bit this weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, of course it did. Tickford, Waters and Courtney, 1,807 points. They're 450. 56 points behind, well, behind Triple Eight, and 306 points behind uh, DJR. So they got a bit of work. I mean, if Can keeps doing what he's doing, they're gonna they're gonna march forward. Creeping up. It would help if uh, Courtney was up a bit bit higher because he. It's obviously, we just talked about the inconsistency between them. Just got to stay out of trouble, doesn't and the, he? And the Giz is always up the front. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah, exactly. But Courtney's just got to stay out of trouble. I mean, remember Melbourne, you know, last corner, 
pounded off by Mostert, you know, so yeah, it's just about safety for James. Um, in fourth is Grove Penrite Racing, 1,718 points, uh, 545 points off the lead. And Walkinshaw Andretti United comes in at fifth at 1,560 points, 703 points off the lead. Okay, Clarkie. When are fans going to hear us next? Well, we've got about a month um, to Darwin. Bloody month. Yeah, a whole month to Darwin. Um, but um, the stunning thing is, I always loved this when I was travelling the whole series and doing every round. Like, you go from Winton with your zero-degree nights to Darwin as your next round. So where you've got, like, 25 degrees at night time if it's a cold one. So uh, it's a big, startling contrast. And even Van Gisbergen said he hates the heat up there, but he loves the track and the racing. So <laughs> it's another good track. I really like this one. Um, and, you know, you've been up there with me as well. I mean, did you ever get up there? Or no, never been to Darwin. Oh, you just paid to get in me. I paid to send you guys <laughs> up there. I know, it was a tough thing, because uh, Darwin's a cracking place to go <laughs> so for a car race. So you keep telling me. Cracking place to go for a car race. And uh, and the racing's good. It's a good little track. It's got everything. And, uh, you know, it's got challenge with some high-speed turns. It's got some some slow bits, um, and it's got the ha- the heat, the warmth that will um, cook anybody if they don't pay attention. So great race meeting. Looking forward to that one. Not sure I'm going to get there yet, but I know I'm going to Townsville two weeks later. Yeah, well, maybe I'll get to Darwin one day. But uh, folks, thanks for joining us. Um, hopefully we've got you up to speed with what's happened at the track. Clarky, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Deb. Great to see you in person at the track. Oh, it's, that's uh, nice. It's been good. We better compare our big hair. And, you know, you've still got bigger hair than me. Well, you've been listening to the Gates Rev Limiter Supercar Review Podcast. Catch you later, Clarkie. See ya.